0: Hi, guys. I'm Emma. I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. I am. Season five, episode one. How are you feeling about this?
1: I feel amazing. I mean, there really is an art to watching the show and going in the right order of the seasons, including all of the spinoffs.
0: Something that I've really enjoyed is recently, it's been on TikTok a lot where people are watching some of the old episodes and they're pointing out you know, specific moments. And a lot of those clips go viral and people are saying, oh my God, I forgot about that. And we're having that experience every week because we've started from season one. And I almost wish I could encourage more people to do this because it's like, if you love those 30 second viral TikToks, you will love really reliving it.
1: I know. Well, it's a double-edged sword though, because sometimes I'm so thrilled to be reliving it. And then sometimes they do things where I'm like, I wish I could have just forgotten about that. I guess I mean, specifically Scott, but all of them, like sometimes in the way they speak to Chris and sometimes in the way they speak to each other, I'm like, I wish I didn't have to view you like that. Cause it's so fresh in my mind.
0: I know. I mean, they just won the people's choice award for best reality show. And when it was Kim, Chloe and Chris, you know, accepting that award. And I know in the past, When they've won or been nominated for things, Courtney was on that stage as well. But when I was looking at the three of them, I was thinking, this to me, and this may be a controversial opinion because I know a lot of people also include Courtney, those to me are really the core of the show.
1: In its current day, yeah. I mean, honestly, I would throw Scott up there as the core of the current show before I would throw Courtney up there.
0: Yeah. I mean listen, as I'm watching it, clearly Courtney gave so much and she did for so many years, but yes, exactly. And it's current iteration. It's like, if those three aren't on board, the show's not happening. Whereas technically speaking, if Courtney didn't want to be on board, I think it could still exist. I'm thrilled that she is, but like, there's no show without Kim or Chloe or Chris.
1: Right. In this new stage of the show and it coming to Hulu and this new era of Courtney's life, it is a vital part of this new season and this new show, the telling of Courtney's story is more important than it ever was. But for the five previous seasons, I think that if you didn't see her once, and I'm not saying I wanted that. I'm just saying if you didn't see her once, I don't think anybody would have been like completely thrown off guard.
0: I think that that is one of the reasons that she's so willing to be as involved as it seems that she is with the filming is because she knows that this is one of the most highly anticipated storylines. I mean, obviously Kim and Pete came in and I think that probably takes precedent, but really, like, people want to know about the evolution of her and Travis. People are dying for that first confessional where she's sitting and, you know, they're recapping the last year and she's like, Well, I actually am engaged. And then he comes on. Like, we're gonna get most likely a Travis Barker Courtney Kardashian double confessional. And I think that Courtney knows how excited everyone is, and that probably makes her a lot more willing because it's so much more fun to do something when you're the main focus versus when you already feel people are resentful towards you.
1: Right. And when you get to be the main focus for something really positive. Obviously, for so many years, she was the main focus because her relationship with Scott and the how volatile it was was such... An important part of the show and such a main component of it, but also so many times it was so painful for her. So it was like she was putting herself on display in a very open way, but also in a very negative way a lot of the times. And it's so nice to see her be able to come in with a plot line with something that people want to see, but it's also such a positive for her.
0: Yeah, I'm really curious about I know he said this before but I was thinking about it recently because Alabama's been posting a lot with him. I just am very curious about the level of involvement from his family because I absolutely could see where Alabama, Landon Atiana have recurring roles. You know, it's it, basically it's her new life which obviously includes them and I just feel like they are going to be involved and that's what I really hope.
1: Right. Especially for what seems like specifically with Landon and Alabama, two teenagers who are trying to put themselves out there. I I know that Alabama's posted on TikTok about either coming out with a makeup line or wanting to do so. So I'd imagine that if it was their wishes to be on the show, which it seems like it could be, that Travis would be 100% on board with making that happen because it's the best possible thing for them from a career point of view, even though they're so young.
0: Oh yeah. There's no better exposure. And by the way, she said recently that, and we're talking about a 15 year old girl here, but this is true. She said she's coming out with a makeup line by the end of the year. And I just want to tell you that let's say, I don't know what happens this year, January, whenever it is, that's going to be a situation where she's going to send product to all of them. And Kim is going to post that on her story, most likely the way that she would post any other PR gifting. And obviously they've been in close proximity to this family for so long, but I think that I don't care who your parents are. I don't care how famous you grew up. Kim Kardashian, who is potentially one of the most important people and driving forces in the beauty world, posting your brand on her story, that's a really big deal.
1: Totally. It's funny. Like I'll randomly have moments where I... And I know this is definitely not a new conversation. We have spoken about it so often. But where I try to like conceptualize the fact that they are coming back with a reality show while also being the most famous family in the world are definitely one of the top five most famous families in the world. And I like really think about that hard. And I'm like, wow, that's such a crazy concept. Like, I know we've had this conversation so many times. It's just like when I actually think about it, it's like one of those things that's hard for me to wrap my brain around still.
0: Completely. And I know that's something we speak about a lot, but also it really has me thinking, you know, I would love to talk to Chris about how they view the show in terms of how much they need it for the growth of all of their individual careers. Because realistically, they could stop right now and money would never be an issue for the rest of their lives and for generations to come they have amassed enough of a fortune that it would be okay but clearly there must be something where they think and I, and I think it's completely accurate that having the show not that they don't make a lot of money from it they do but having the show really helps to push all of the other brands along and I think that they still this many years later would say that that is the foundation of it and you know the ability to kind of, appear at times relatable even given how unrelatable their life is i think they would all say it's down to the show
1: i think so too and i think that in order to really understand it we have to switch our thinking from this is a fame move or a money move or like a important to our careers move this is so much more about the importance of storytelling. And I think when you can view it from that lens, that's the only part of it that makes sense to continue to have the show because all of their brands, regardless do amazing. That's what socials for. And like, obviously there are certain things where it comes out on the show and it really elevates it. Like you'll see behind the scenes of a lot of skim stuff this season, I'm sure. And, That's going to be amazing for Skims, but Skims sells out regardless. Good American, I mean, I see Good American literally everywhere. I'm sure there are people that don't even know that's Chloe's brand, to be honest. So I think that when you look at the show from the angle of just like, what do they get out of it? It's just all about the narratives they want to tell and so much less about pushing different businesses.
0: I am absolutely with you on the storytelling thing. And obviously them having the executive producer role is integral in allowing that to happen because... I mean talk about being able to paint the narrative exactly how you want it there's no better there's no better way to do it but I'm saying it's not even about exposure of the different brands I'm just saying that I think they rely on their fans feeling a sense of connection towards them because they know them so well. And I think they understand that the best way for their fans to feel like they know them is through watching them in their kitchens. You know, you, you're not going to accomplish the same thing from an Instagram story, even if you're going to sell the same amount of product as you can when the entire show is shot within their different homes, you know? So I just think like that familiarity is something that they are not, it, it's not lost on them. Totally. Okay. Well, I don't know how we got here, but I guess we should start with the actual episode. Yes. I would love to. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames Go to com for a discount so you can Astepro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. So season five, episode one, we start out in Chris's old house and Caitlin is telling Kendall and Kylie that... She broke her wedding ring and she hadn't had it off in 19 and a half years before that. And so now that she got it back, she thinks that they should do kind of like a small vow renewal. They're joking around about it in the living room. Chloe kind of officiates this mini vow renewal, but you know, it's one thing to say like, Oh, look at how happy of a couple they were back then. And obviously in real time, they're divorced, but it's so much deeper than that when you're talking about Chris and Caitlin, because after certain things came out, whether it was interviews or books you really got a much better sense of how they felt about one another during the marriage as well. Like, I'm not saying that they hated each other at this point. I definitely don't think they did yet. But you do start to think, what else was going on in these moments that seemed so happy? Right.
1: Well, the thing is, I think we're about to start to get into when things sort of go downhill for them in their marriage. And a lot of that was a result of the fame in the TV show. I think Caitlin signed up for this life, but wasn't exactly sure what it was going to become. And it kind of snowballed into something that was way more than anybody expected, obviously, but specifically for her. And I think that caused so much tension in their relationship. At this point in the show, what I think you've seen up until then is them having kind of normal marital issues. Obviously, the root of those problems are not normal because they're so based in fame and what they're doing at this point in their lives. But, you know, it's little tiffs and they get into little fights and they always make up. But what's going to happen from here on out is you're going to start to get into those points in the seasons where, like, the fights aren't just these little things that they have. It starts to become deeper and deeper and you really chip away at the pain at all of this marriage. But this little cute little vow renewal thing, the reason that I think that it was such, like, an important scene is because they were still at the place where they never thought they were going to get divorced.
0: Yes. And I also think that even at this point, when they were clearly very successful, you know, and they've become far more famous than they were in season one, I still do not think that Chris had conceptualized just how big it was going to get. And so, if Caitlin was already struggling with this level of celebrity and everything that came with it, you know, just buckle up because what it was about to be. Like, I think the other thing, in addition to like all of the other issues, was it was almost as if. Caitlyn fundamentally opposed to the way in which Chris wanted to build the family, like business wise. And that is so unsustainable for both parties, because then Chris feels like she's being judged for what she thinks is the best decision. And Caitlin feels really resentful that her family is now becoming so kind of commercialized. Right, exactly.
1: And it's yeah. interesting, obviously, when you really think about it, because you think about the trajectory of Caitlin's career and how commercialized she was for a period of time there. And she was one of the most famous people in the entire world um, at one point. So for her to kind of experience this new fame that was even more than what she ever experienced is a fascinating thing to watch happen. Because I think in Caitlyn's mind, it was like, okay, we'll do this reality show. No matter how big we get, we'll never be bigger than I was. And then they far surpassed that.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a wild concept when you really think about it. Extremely. So next scene, Chloe, Courtney, Mason, Chris, and Caitlin. And Courtney saying in her confessional, ever since Scott and I got back from Miami, we probably see each other every couple of days. I think it's important that Scott sees Mason whenever he wants. He's definitely been making some great steps towards bettering himself. And he's been sober since Miami. And so we find out here that Courtney sold her condo and she moved in with Chloe. So, There's plenty of people to help out with Mason. It's Chloe, Lamar, and Rob. They're all living there and Scott's living separately. And not that this is at all so dissimilar from the Courtney and Chloe Take Miami season two, but you still see that Chloe at this point pretty much wants nothing to do with Scott.
1: This episode I thought was kind of more extreme than the others because obviously we've seen Chloe act more irrationally, but this one was irrational towards Mason and that's why it was so much more difficult than previous ones.
0: Chloe in her confessional says, Scott's messed up consistently. Literally, it's like a merry-go-round. It happens every four to six months. So if anyone thinks I'm being a little harsh and a little aggressive, please spend a day in my shoes and maybe you'll feel the exact same way. Chris says, we're supposed to accept who he is and these outbursts and things that happen. And then it's our turn to have a moment. He gets to walk away. I mean, why are we supposed to put up with this and not walk away? Caitlin says, in the big picture, when you're dating somebody, it's as good as the relationship will ever get. You get married to him. It's only going to make it more difficult because now you got a contract. So their tune has not changed, but for Chloe specifically, because she you know, had to deal with him in Miami and she was living with him previously at the condo as well. I think she feels like, you know what? Do whatever the fuck you want. You're no longer going to inconvenience my day-to-day life. You know, what was
1: really interesting about this was Chloe kind of addressing the viewers rather than her family in the in the confessional in the sense of like, it was almost the first time where they really acknowledged that the fans of the show had these really harsh opinions and it probably was coinciding with the rise of social media. And so they're all in this one place where Chloe's probably seeing them and people saying like, you're too harsh on Scott, all of these opinions being shared. And I think this was the first time where on the show, they acknowledged that like, you know, these aren't just familial issues that we're solving. I now also have to account for the fact that I'm coming off on a certain way on TV.
0: Which by the way, is such a strange concept for me to try to wrap my head around. I know that it's something that, anybody that does reality television has to come to terms with, but I can't imagine what that must've been like kind of the first realization of this. And you're right. I'm not saying it was the first, but it was definitely in the beginning.
1: Yeah. It was one of the first, I mean, it may not have been the first acknowledgement of the audience, but it felt like the first acknowledgement of like, I handle my family problems in a certain way. I see what you guys are saying about it, but it cannot change the fact Of how I'm going to go
0: about this. Right. Which is, you know, very Chloe. I mean, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it, but I do find that that is very on brand to how she used to handle things.
1: Right. And it's on brand for her to be the one to call that out, to acknowledge other people's opinions. Whereas I think with Courtney, if people were online saying like, no, you have to give Scott a second chance. Like you have to be better to him. She wouldn't give a fuck. She wouldn't even acknowledge it.
0: No, I mean, that's the thing with Chloe Either way, whether you want to talk about her earlier self, where she was definitely a little bit more harsh and at times a little bit more aggressive, a little bit abrasive, or now when, you know, she does seem a lot more gentle, kind of, both of those come from the same root, which is that I truly think she's one of the most sensitive out of all of them. And it was just the way in which that sensitivity was manifesting itself. Because earlier on, you know, she kind of went outward. And as the seasons went on, and I think she got hurt more significantly and more frequently, it went a little bit more inwards, but it's all from the same root cause.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Okay. So I want to talk cookware for a second because I haven't told you guys about this company and I recently tried their products and I fully understand the hype now. So they're called Great Jones and they make really high quality, thoughtfully designed cookware That also happens to be beautiful. Like I know it's kind of a weird way to describe cookware, but you'll see what I mean when you go on the website. In terms of colors, they have your classic black and white, but they also have pinks, greens, yellows, blues, just like really vibrant, fun colors. And everything is non-toxic. So they have, you know, Dutch oven, ceramic dishes, non-stick sheet pans. Everything is non-toxic to me. That's huge. And we all know, like I'm not the biggest cook, but I have my staples And I got originally from them, the Fry family, which is the eight and 10 inch ceramic nonstick pants. And they're just great. I got them in the white because that matches the best with my kitchen. I love cooking on them. And I also, I know again, it sounds kind of weird, but I love the way they look in my kitchen. And the thing is, once you get these, you're going to want to get them for your friends. So they make incredible gifts for weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays, whatever occasion you need. It's a great gift. Upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code CBC. That's greatjones.com promo code CBC. 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. So the other thing about this season is that we are introduced to Kim's new home which really is kind of like another cast member I would say and it's in Beverly Hills we looked up a little bit of background it's 3800 square feet five bedrooms four and a half bathrooms and she bought the house in 2010 for 3.4 million she sold it in 2013 for $3.6 million, and it's now estimated to be around $6 million. But I didn't need this episode to remind me the pride and joy that she felt about this home, and by the way, as she should. Yeah, absolutely,
1: as she should. And that's something she still talks about, where having this house was one of the first tangible examples of her growth and her fame. And she talks about the fact of like having that 90210 area code was like, I mean, you couldn't have put a price on that for her even though she grew up in that area and there's a part where Chris comes over to the house and they're talking about the fact that like, you know, they she drove by their old house that she used to share with Robert on the way here. For Kim to have accomplished that on her own and to get to that place, it was another level for her. And I think that it was something that she really dreamed about. What's also interesting about the importance that she placed on having that 90210 area code and feeling so major for being in Beverly Hills It's interesting to see the way they've kind of converted Calabasas into that.
0: Yes, absolutely. I mean, the other thing though with this is in season one, I guess it was when she bought the Bentley and for her, that was a really big deal you know, at the time. The response of the family, obviously they didn't like the way that she was acting about it, but also they didn't fully understand the significance. Whereas there's something about a home that They couldn't help but understand the magnitude of what this purchase meant. Whereas I think with the car, they just thought that she was being stupid with her money. This, they're like, you know what, Kim? Good for you.
1: Well, a car also seems, and I think this is something a lot of people feel like, that's your first big purchase. Like when you're a celebrity, that's kind of what everyone says. Like, what's your dream car going to be? What dream car are you going to buy? So that's kind of the first earmark of like fame buying the house was like the first year mark of success, like the long lasting success. And to see the pride that she took in that and to see the way the whole family reacted, it was like they all had that absolute understanding of that as well.
0: Yeah, which for her, you I know, mean, that's the best feeling. Not that she needed anybody else's approval, but there's something really exciting about that, especially when they're hard on each other, you know? And so the kind of just like unanimous, understanding of what this meant for her was very cool to see. And I have to imagine felt really good. Absolutely. Okay. So they all come over to the new house. Chris just cannot get over how beautiful it is. And Kim and her confessionals, you know, kind of updating us. She's like, so guys, a lot has gone on since Miami. And she's saying that she's kind of over the Reggie breakup, that she's single and loving life, ready to date. And she's kind of saying like, my house, I'm treating like my new relationship. And she's really diving into that, but she didn't at all feel opposed to the idea of dating. I didn't get that sense at all.
1: No, she didn't seem opposed to it at all. I I mean, I didn't think so. At least it just seemed like all of her energy was being put into the home. And this is kind of something that we spoke about with Chloe in the past where we've spoken about the way she cleans and the way she keeps her home and how it's kind of like that one area of control she really has. And Kim was exhibiting so much of that same behavior in this episode in terms of The amount she was pouring into making this house a home or what she considered a home to be.
0: What was funny about that though is because when they all come over and, you know, Kim's like a little bit anal with nobody sitting on the furniture, not getting crumbs anywhere, Chloe is so hard on her of like, come on, lighten up. And it's funny watching that because you know that a few years down the line, Chloe is the poster child of that. And I really do think there is such a direct correlation with what has gone on in her personal life and the lack of control she's felt and how it's so clearly just increased her relationship with her home. Like it sounds stupid, but I don't think that it is.
1: If you think Chloe judging Kim for the way she cleans is hypocritical, wait, wait till you see the way that she handles Courtney and men that she deems to be bad. Because that is just, it's it's actually insane watching it back. I think that's one of the craziest experiences I've had watching the show.
0: I know. And I really think it just goes to show the point of you never know how you're going to react until you're in the situation about anything in life. But that is, it's the, tr- I really think that is one of the truest, you know, things to understand in the world. And once you have the, a real deep understanding of that, your life will be a lot easier and you will handle things a lot more gracefully.
1: Oh, absolutely. But there is also a certain point where, I think it would be helpful to her current self to sit down and watch the way her past self reacted to things and thought about Courtney and Scott, because obviously so much of it she would look back on and be like, oh my God, I was so dramatic. I was so over the top. That's not how you should have handled it. But I think for her to see the amount of respect she had for herself in order to then pass that respect on to want Courtney to have it for herself would be really helpful for her, I think, in this day and age.
0: Well, it's almost a real life exercise of what therapists will say to you of like, would you say that to your child? Would you say that to your sister? Would you say that to a friend that was struggling? And it's like, no, of course I wouldn't. It's like, okay, well then why would you say that to yourself? This is the exact same type of situation. Would you ever let a guy that your sister was dating get away with this bullshit? It's like, no, absolutely. So then, you know, and I don't know how she would react because I'll tell you one thing, that's not an easy thing to do because I have to imagine there would be a lot of, um, I, I hate to use this word because I don't, ever want her to feel embarrassment or shame. But I do think that it could come from watching something like this because you're almost watching the deterioration of your self-respect. like In a way, that sounds harsh, but I I kind of feel like that's how she may feel watching some of these episodes. Is that too harsh to say?
1: No, I don't. I mean, it's definitely harsh, but I don't think it's too harsh to say. And I don't think it's too harsh to not be the reality of the situation because it is it's what we've observed and obviously there's always a difference like you said in terms of what you expect for yourself or what you want for yourself versus what you want for the people that you love and you tend to be so much more protective of the people you love than yourself just because it's easier to do that and I think that with Chloe there's so much I'm sure obviously I don't have the intimate details of what the thought process in her mind was, but there's probably been so much rationalization in terms of her relationship and her relationship with Tristan and how she co-parents, how she is in a relationship. Like I think that for her to watch in retrospect, the expectations that she had at a young age of what a relationship was supposed to be like, I could understand that being somewhat of an embarrassment thing of how did I get from point a, having such a clear view of a situation to point B where it's, everything's so blurry and
0: fuzzy and messed up right now. Right, and the other thing about this is that it's really easy for people to, or not really easy, but if you're comparing the two, it's far easier typically for people to, Remember like specific experiences or like an event that happened. And sometimes it's a lot harder for them to actually get in touch with how they felt about that. Like, what was my exact thought process while this was going on? You know, you're not, you, your mind can play tricks on you and you can start to over the years morph that into what you thought you were thinking. And the thing about having a reality show for 20 seasons is that it keeps you really honest, probably more honest than you would ever want to be because she wouldn't be able to deny the decline, you know? And like, I don't know. I don't know if it would be helpful for her as part of like a therapeutic process. I just feel such like recently I felt such a sense of protection towards Chloe, like way more than any of the rest of them. And watching this, it's sad for so many reasons.
1: The reason that I feel bad also for Chloe is because we know that her and Tristan aren't together right now. And they had broken up a couple of months ago. And this is more just a logistics thing. They had broken up a couple of months ago, but because their timeline and the way they've been with each other has been so open-ended and ambiguous and kind of left up for people to interpret what they mean when they speak on social media about each other, when they post about each other, when they're seen in public, there are so many things on the internet running with the idea of them still being together or them still having some sort of a relationship like that. So I think that's one of the reasons that I feel extra protective over Chloe right now, because I'm like, Yeah, of course, this third pregnancy for Tristan makes, you know, is embarrassing for her. But it's not like she's sticking by him in a relationship right now.
0: No, I know. I know. Just the the speculation. You're right. Before people really knew the speculation can't be helpful.
1: Right. Which I guess is on her because she could easily clear up the air. She could easily tweet out and be like, listen, here's my exact timeline. Here's what me and Tristan did. Like, And not that she owes anybody that explanation, obviously. But if it was getting to the point where it was like, okay, things are getting really twisted and the way I am in relationships and the respect I have for myself is getting twisted, let me explain this. But then on the other hand, I think that you would still have that reaction of like, Chloe, he cheated on you twice and you still got back together with him this third time, you know, clarifying a timeline here isn't doing anything for us.
0: I don't know. This whole thing is making me really sad. I think there was something about, oh, I know why I'm feeling like this. Is it the tweet? Yeah. This happened yesterday or a few days ago. Let me just read it for you guys. This is completely unrelated to the episode, but I'm just realizing this is why. So somebody tweets while watching the People's Choice Awards. Okay, who saw that I don't care sort of look on Chloe when Halle Berry was on stage? Not cool, man. And someone responds, no shade, but she's jealous, insecure, has no talent like a Halle Berry, and I sure hope she gets some therapy for her body dysmorphia and insecurity where she has to constantly be playing with her hair. By the way, like so mean. So mean. And Chloe responds, that's disappointing. My face gave that expression. Halle Berry is such a force, absolutely stunning and beyond talented. To be honest, I'm barely in my own body right now. Please don't read into anything. Also, please don't tear me apart because you assume something.
1: I know the barely in my body right now was just a lot for me to think about.
0: It's just so sad, like I- I'm sorry. I you know, and I know a lot of people feel like, well, she put herself in this situation, and yet, yeah, factually, she did. I still feel bad. I don't like I don't think you have to punish somebody by removing your compassion just because technically they allowed the person back in. like what kind of <laughs> what kind of setup is that?
1: Well, to me, the thing that's really sad is the fact that she took him back,
0: right. Not the thing that's going to make you remove the compassion from the situation. like yes, can you look back and say that was the wrong move? Absolutely. But it's, it still sucks. Like, I I don't know.
1: Right. Like it sucks so much that this happened to you after you took him back twice. It sucks so much more that you felt the need to take him back twice.
0: Yeah. It's just, she just deserves so much more and that will happen anyway. Let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the Conception Aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Frida Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you. So next scene, Courtney and Scott are in therapy and Courtney's saying in her confessional that they've been going a few times a week and you know she feels like they're kind of heading in the right direction. And she's saying how Scott used to have a relationship with Rob and Chloe and he no longer does. And Courtney feels like she's living three separate lives. And so the therapist asks what Scott's needs are in the relationship. And he says, the only thing I want to be is treated like the man that everyone's asking of me. And the therapist in an incredibly... I think Brilliant Point says back to him, once you've broken trust and you start thinking in your mind, I wanna be a better person. I wanna be a better dad. People aren't automatically gonna go, oh, Scott, that's so great. We're so happy for you. They're gonna be really cautious. That becomes challenging for the two of you. Which I know seems like such a simple concept, but it was as if nobody had ever said that to him. Like It was as if he needed a professional to say, once trust has been shattered, like you don't get to all of a sudden appear like the man that they desire because you haven't been that for the last however many years.
1: Right, it was interesting hearing him say that out loud because it was such a point of like, you have to know that's not how it works. Like you have to hear the words that are coming out of your mouth. But I think at the time, he truly did not understand that concept. Something that's also really nice to see for Scott during therapy and during these scenes is somebody finally asking him like, okay, what do you need out of this relationship? Because I think obviously the way that we viewed Courtney and Scott, especially during these seasons is like, How do we help Courtney? What can Courtney do? What does Courtney need from Scott? And so for somebody to finally ask Scott, what do you need here? Like, obviously, Scott's the one that's fucked up continuously. But I do think that if Scott's able to vocalize what he needs out of the relationship, the likelihood of him continuing to act up then decreases.
0: Yes, I mean, I think also like it's an empowerment tactic on the part of the therapist. Not that she didn't actually want to know his needs, but also it makes him feel like he has more skin in the game. It's like not as if he's just constantly having to perform almost. It's like, okay, well this is a two-way street. Let me voice what I need and in doing so, she then explains why that thinking is flawed, but still even giving him the opportunity to think like that is important. Right. So next scene there are Chloe and Lamar's house and basically the gate rings and it's Scott coming to pick up Courtney. And so she doesn't know how to open the gate. She asks Chloe and Chloe's goes for who? And Courtney's like, Scott's here to take us to lunch. And Chloe says, you know, I'll just buzz you out and then you can go out there. And Courtney's like, well, he was going to come help me get my stuff out of the house. And in her confessional, Chloe says, I do believe Scott has a lot of negativity around him. And since Lamar's in the playoffs and the last thing he needs is negative energy, Scott's not allowed in my house, point blank. He's a negative, awful person. So yeah, I don't want him in here. So Courtney with Mason now has to walk all the way to the end of the driveway. Like it just made her life so much more difficult when she has this newborn baby, she has a diaper bag. And it was like, Chloe was so not thinking clearly. (laughs)
1: Like literally POV, you're a six month old Mason Disick and you can't see your dad because Chloe's concerned Lamar is not gonna do well in the Lakers game. (laughs) Like what? (laughs) Like- the logic there was so unbelievably flawed, but Chloe is really incredible at presenting. You know what? They actually are, all are, but really incredible at presenting information in a way that she says it so convincingly. And then you take a moment and you're like, wait a second. That makes absolutely no sense. That is such an invalid argument.
0: I know. And when Courtney's talking to Rob a little bit later on and she's saying, you know, Chloe is so immature. I don't like staying here. And Rob is saying back to her like, listen, Scott pissed me off too, but Chloe has to understand like he's Mason's father. And for, I think Rob to have that understanding as somebody who also really dislikes Scott, I think it made Courtney feel like, okay, I know that I may have taken him back, you know, a time too many, but this is a point where I can say like, Chloe's objectively being wrong. Like it was really great for her that she had Rob to be like, You're not being dramatic at all. Right.
1: Also, this wasn't like Scott was coming to spend the night. He was coming to see his son. He was coming to literally just pick them up for lunch in this scene.
0: Yeah, it was was off. Very. And this kind of continues because they're all at Kim's house getting ready for the party. And Scott calls Courtney and Courtney tells him, well, we're all going to be at Chloe's after the party. And Chloe hears her say that and is like, Scott's not coming over. I'm serious. Tell him no. And Courtney's like, why do you even care? You're not going to be there. You're going to be at the Lakers game. She goes, it's still my house. Do you not get it? Why would I want someone like that in my house? And she leaves to go to the game. Courtney just is so confused about how like, how that even is going to impact her when she's not even there. That's where she really lost them, by the way. It was like, it's one thing if you don't want to be in the same room, but now you're just inconveniencing for the sake of inconveniencing.
1: Right. And From Chloe's point of view, what she was clearly doing was like, if I can keep him from being around her at all, then like I'm saving her from being in this relationship. And therefore, like, especially when I'm not home, I'm going to say he can't come because that way they can't spend any time together. Like they can't even be in a remotely intimate position because they're home alone with each other. It was clearly very like parent who has a teenager and they don't want that teenager in a relationship. So they like micromanage and they helicopter. And that's what Chloe was doing here, thinking that she would have some control on the outcome of this, even though Courtney was going to do what she wanted to do.
0: Well, that's the thing. She was going to find a way. And that's why, you know, Chloe says to her, like, if you want to stay in my house, he can't come there. There's rules. And Courtney goes, okay, well, I'm 31. I don't need to be living under rules, you know? And we get back to that in a second. Quickly back to Kim's party. Like, it's a shit show in the sense that she has no chill with people making a mess. And it gets to the point where Caitlin kind of takes her aside and is like, you're not even enjoying this beautiful home that you've worked so hard because you're so concerned with the little details. And it was actually kind of a nice conversation.
1: That's one of the components of the relationship with Caitlin that I do miss that they had was whenever there was a situation like this, Caitlin was kind of a, the first person to realize something was off and address it. And B, you know, Caitlin always that thing where like, okay, sat right on the edge of the bed, sat down, come sit next to me, let's talk it out. And that was one of the major components of why they felt like Caitlin was such a father figure in their life. Aside from just the fact that she had that presence, it was because she had such a calming presence for them and was able to really talk through things and get through to them in that way. And that was such an important part of their dynamic as you know, stepfather and stepdaughter that made that relationship so real. And that is, I don't know, to me, that is like the main thing that I miss.
0: Me too. And as a total side to that point, you know, Kim, I think since the robbery speaks a lot about how, of course she still likes material items clearly, but she's like, I don't get as freaked out as you would think. Like if my kids draw on the wall, for example, whereas Chloe, like she would totally lose it over that. And it's not because one is more expensive than the other, just she had a mindset shift. So like this, I don't think that Kim would be able to relate as heavily to this part of herself because I do think she's evolved past that.
1: Right. And also just like we were kind of saying in the beginning as well, like this house was so tangible of her fame and it was like so representative of how she saw herself that it was like I can't let one single scratch happen. There's nothing that is going to impact the foundation of how perfect I think this is and how representative of this of my life this is right now. So you could really see her like pouring all of her expectations into this home rather than treating it as a home.
0: Mm-hmm, which is not a sustainable model. No, no. Anyway, so the way this episode kind of ends is Courtney and Chloe have a conversation where Courtney basically says, I can't, you know, live like this anymore. Like, I don't want these rules. I want to be able to see Scott as I please. And it's actually, I think kind of nice because Chloe agrees that this is just not the smartest move. And they have a very civil kind of conversation about saying like, this isn't me leaving to spite you. This is like, clearly this situation as it is, is going to really harm our relationship. And we can't let that happen.
1: Right. Exactly. I mean, The thing that Chloe gets so wrong here is that she really credits Scott with being the one that's driving a wedge between Courtney and Chloe. Meanwhile, it's the way that Chloe is acting and her inability to provide support for Courtney in the way that she needs in this moment because her hatred of Scott is so fueling the way she acts. That's driving the wedge in their relationship. But the understanding that they came to in terms of like, this is not sustainable was definitely important for going forward.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it it was almost, I mean, I forgot how this episode ended like until I watched it. And when I watched it, I was like, wow, that was a lot more civil than I would have expected it to go. Because in the past, especially in Miami, it was not like this. Right.
1: Oh my God, not at all.
0: Yeah. Anyway, so it ends with Courtney actually leaving Chloe's house the next morning and to be continued. But this is a good episode. Great, very strong start to the season.
1: Very I love. I mean, I remember this season now. It's all coming back to me. It's funny, like when we do these episodes, I'm like, oh, I feel like I don't remember this at all. And then I start to watch it. And I'm like,
0: oh yeah, like riding a goddamn bike. I know. It's it's so true. Well, we love you guys. Thank you for listening. We'll see you tomorrow for Bravo and then next week for our regular episodes. Thanks, guys.